This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. Hello, listeners, and welcome back for another episode of the 1970. As always, I'm your host, Ed, and joining me today is Mark Damon. And Mark, we have quite a bit to talk about, um, primarily about PSG's 5-0 win over Montpellier at the Parc du Prince today. Um, it was a great win, but a lot of talking points. We want to dive right into it, and we're going to do things a little bit different. We're going to start with our main event today, but first... I want to check in with you. How are you doing today? You know, not too bad. Uh, Saturday night before the Super Bowl, so just watching some Rangers hockey and, uh, you know, just kind of relaxing. Get, you know, you get the two days off, so I'll just try to get as much uh, as much calming uh, calming things in as possible. And then, of course, I have to watch PSG, and that's rarely yes. calm. But Never. It's never calming. I was trying to organize our other podcast uh, PSG talking, and I totally forgot it was Super Bowl weekend. It's kind of how PSG has just taken over. I just completely forgot that that game is tomorrow. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's. as I mentioned, we want to talk about our main event, the big talking point that everyone is has an opinion about, and you and I kind of differ. So this should be a, an entertaining episode of the, of the 1970 here. So basically... What well, happened? when are they not entertaining, Ed? <laughs> Pretty much. When are we never not entertaining? Well, well, let let's set let's set this let's set the stage. 68th minute, PSG is up five nil against Montpellier. The game is over. I can't remember if they were down if Montpellier was down one or two men at that point. It could have been two. They were they were still down one. They were just down one. Okay, but for all intents and purposes, the game was over. Thomas Tuchel decides to take. Kylian Mbappe off in the 68th minute and bring on Mauro Cardi. At that point, Kylian Mbappe just puts his head down. He tries to push his way through the manager. Tuchel stops him. He puts his hands on him. They're talking. They got their, you know, their hand over their mouth. They're going back and forth. Mbappe is is clearly upset with being taken off. After he finally pushes through Thomas Tuchel, he doesn't want to listen to what he's saying. He storms up the stairs sits in his chair and he sulks he's looking at his wristband or something you know he, he's just beyond upset with being taken on. beyond upset he's beyond upset he's he, you can he's clearly incredulous. tell he's incredulous he's all of the above so we'll open it up to you first before i get into what i think about it but what i want to ask you is who was right in this situation or is anyone right are both of them wrong and should mbappe be punished so we'll let you have the stage here. All right, so I'm not going to answer any of those questions right away. We're going to we're going to build to it. So PSG have not lost a football match, a competitive football match since November the 1st. That is now exactly 3 months ago. In that span they have won 17 of the 19 games they have played. The other two were draws. One of those against Real Madrid at the Santiago Bernabeu. I would hardly call that a disappointing result. Now, the last time they had lost before the November 1st game against uh, Nîmes was September 25th against Stade Reim. During that period, PSG went 23 out of 26 victories. One loss, two draws. So... 
we stand here February 1st, the year of our Lord 2020. PSG are not a team in crisis. There are very limited injury concerns, which we'll talk about. They're not minor, but they're also not major catastrophe injury concerns like we've had seemingly forever. So the team is relatively healthy. And for the most part, I would say things are going fairly well, wouldn't you? Uh, yeah, I would say so far so good. Okay, all right. So, so let, let, we, we say all of that. Now, here's what happens in this game. PSG start out pretty well. Get an early goal. Montpellier gets get somebody sent off for the they have the goalie sent off for the handball thing and pretty much it's a it's a routine psg victory so the question i think has to be framed in this way and you either have one or two options you cannot pick a third option there are one there are two answers potentially to this question or there's two different possible um scenarios here to this following question why was Kylian Mbappe so upset he was saying taken off there are two possible answers the first one option a we'll call it option a is that Kylian Mbappe is a glory hog who wants to go out there and score as many goals as possible to pad his stats and to try to either get him individual awards or whatever his rationale for it will be so either that is option A, where he's upset that he doesn't get to stab Pat in a meaningless game at this point, 5 nothing, man down. Those goals wouldn't mean anything. They would only mean something to him. Option B is that Kylian Mbappe, like so many of the all-time great athletes that the world has ever produced, is an extremely hyper-competitive you know, hyper-competitive, super strong-willed, sometimes thick-headed, sometimes stubborn, alpha male of an athlete. You can only be one or two. That's mm -hmm. the only two options here. So I'll, before I go on, Ed, do you think it's option A or do you think it's option B? It's got to be option B for me. Okay, so we're, 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 we are stipulating to the fact that Kylian Mbappe is not a petulant baby who wants to stat pad and look good in front of his friends or whatever rationale he would have. We are going to say that he is a hyper-competitive athlete. Now, just about five, six days ago, we lost one of the most hyper-competitive athletes in the history of sports in Kobe Bryant. Now... If I remember correctly, and I, I, I believe I do, things like this happened all the time with Kobe Bryant. All the time. Literally, I have a book in my room that was written by Phil Jackson called The Last Season. He wrote it at the end of the 04 season when they lost to the Pistons in the finals. The entire book was basically about how difficult Kobe Bryant was to deal with. Uncoachable. Now, Uncoachable. Now, remember, let's go back even further. Michael Jordan, greatest basketball player of all time, 
fought with teammates, literally punched one of them, knocked them on the floor, would mock people, would degrade them, would have games where he would just only, the only one that was ever shooting the ball or even thinking of taking a shot. Go back to Kobe Bryant. There was a game, I believe, in either 06 or 07. It was against the Phoenix Suns in Game 7 of a playoff series where he literally just stopped shooting and basically forced his teammates to take shots because he did not want to have to carry those bunch of sorry losers anymore. Now, this is a guy who, today, we are honoring as one of our all-time great sports legends and heroes. So, clearly, in this society, we place an emphasis on athletes who are 100% invested in being the best possible athlete they can be at all times. Correct? Yeah, I would say so. Nobody's, nobody, nobody is positing those things as negatives. They're all positives in our mind. Or at least side effects of that kind of greatness. So if we're stipulating to the fact that Kylian Mbappe is potentially going to be one of those greats and that he is a hyper-competitive athlete and not a petulant child who only cares about his stats, now we have to start examining the actual incidents in its specificness. That's not a word, but you get what I mean. I got you. Um, But also, actually, no, let's go back a little more. Last year, Kylian Mbappe was suspended for three matches for pushing... Uh, I believe, wasn't it Savanier? Wasn't it the same guy that he, he played against? Isn't it the same guy that was on Montpellier today that was on Nîmes last year when he got that red card? Your, your memory would I, be better than mine. I know last December against Montpellier, he had the same dust-up with Tuchel being taken but no, off but, early. But, yeah. but no, but there was a game against Nîmes on the road last year where he scored the game-winning goal, but then he got taken off in the last few minutes because he shoved the guy to the ground. Then in the Coupe de France final... He got a red card in extra time for a foul on a foul near the corner flag, and then this year he had a, the same kind of issue with Tuchel taking him off. Actually, I think he may have had that issue twice. You're correct. So, it was 2018 September. He was suspended three matches yeah. after a red card versus Neem. Yes. So none of this behavior is new. None of this behavior is some sort of out of the blue kind of shock to anybody if you followed him the last three years you know that this kind of behavior is a possibility it flares up once in a while and i will also now add to this debate that the man we are talking about is actually not even really a man you know with a fully formed functioning brain in the sense that our brains don't fully form until about our mid-20s so he is still 21 years old with a developing brain. So let's go back and think of all of the great decisions that we all made when we were 21 years old. I'm framing this in context, and I know this is long-winded. I understand that, but there has to be context to this because this is an incident that is being examined without context. And it's being used as a way to fuel two different kinds of anxieties the first is what i like to call pfps that stands for psg fan panic syndrome 
what PSG fan panic syndrome is, is it starts coming around like the flu, like around every January or so, where we all think that the team's going to do great in the Champions League, but then PSG fans start looking for any possible reason why the team won't win. Because the idea of being blindsided and not seeing the loss coming is too painful for people. So they try to see the loss coming and have reasons pre-made for why it happens. And that's where the panic syndrome comes in. Oh, you know, there's this and there's that. And then Marquinhos is hurt. Oh, no, what's going to happen? Or, hey, look at this guy on Dortmund who's scoring all these goals. We're in real trouble now. And now, clearly, Mbappe doesn't even like the coach anymore. He's probably going to leave at the end of the year. Oh, my God, what's going to happen in February? It's It happens every year. The French media feeds into it because it's their cottage industry. And PSG fans eat it up like candy. Some of them, not all of them. I try not to. I try not to buy into it. The other part of this is PSG fans... And to some degree, the organization itself, the existential fear that Kylian Mbappe is going to leave. And we, as fans, are looking at it like we don't want him to leave. So any kind of negative thing that happens is seen as this sort of, oh, my God, he's going to leave us kind of thing. It's like we have to walk on eggshells. We can't upset him or he'll leave. And that's a pretty shitty way to kind of be a fan, to like have to be on eggshells every minute of every day looking for every possible clue as to whether he wants to stay or not. Like that, that's not fun. That's, that's just existential dread. And nobody wants to live life with existential dread. So. I'm going to let you explain with all that context what you think that event meant, and then I'll give you my opinion as to what I think it meant. Sure, yeah. No, great explanation. I can see your point. Um, a couple things that, I, that I'll add here. I, I'm different. I didn't love his actions. Um, I didn't love what he did. Tonight, I thought that it showed up the manager. I thought that it added unnecessary pressure on PSG from outside media. Remember, he just recently did an interview with the BBC Sport, I believe it was, where he was asked about Real Madrid, and he was asked about his future. He said, you know, we're in the money part of the season, basically. He said, I don't want to do that. He's like, say I answer your question, and then the media blows it up, and it's a distraction for us. Well, what does he think what he did tonight is? Tonight is a distraction, because we're talking about it. ESPN's talking about it. Every football publication in the world is talking about what he did tonight it is a distraction i understand he's 21 his brain is developing you know he's in in the eyes of the law he's an adult and he can cash a big paycheck but you're right he is still very immature but i would hope that he would understand especially since this isn't the first time that he's done it that when he behaves like that for being taken off that it is a big deal and it becomes a distraction and I don't know why he didn't learn that lesson last time. I think that when you, you mentioned Kobe Bryant and you mentioned Michael Jordan, an elite alpha dog 
athletes like those two. I think it's important when, especially when you talk about Kobe Bryant, if you remember when he started, probably when he was around 21, he was still coming off the bench. Um, he wasn't a starter right away. He had to earn his way in. Mbappe, from the very beginning, has been a starter. And those players, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, and other athletes, have also won major championships. Mbappe does have a World Cup, but he hasn't led PSG to I a mean, championship. I mean, that's not nothing. <laughs> well, he also had a much better team, and he didn't... It wasn't like he played for, you know, I don't know, South Africa or... You know, United States of America and carried a team, and he was the the top dog. I mean, France has a, a great team, and that is a, a major accomplishment. But he had a good team. But with PSG, he hasn't led them to a Champions League title like Kobe Bryant led. You know, Pau Gasol and a bunch of scrubs to a, a World Championship. So, yeah. I think that he, it's not a good look for him. Um, and I think that I'm still debating whether or not I think Tuchel needs to punish him in some way, maybe sit him on the bench for the first half in the next game. But I think Mbappe would be wise to make some sort of comment either on social media or leak it out to a press and at least acknowledge that what he did wasn't right. And I think that would go a long way. All right. So go ahead. Okay. Let me ask you this question. Yes. What did he actually do? I think. What did he actually, what did, not what we saw on his face. But what did he actually do? It Thomas Tuchel was the one that approached him. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think that that was the wrong thing for him to do. I actually think it was the right thing for him to do because Thomas Tuchel has to be a coach. He also has to be a teacher. He also has to have a control of his roster and of his players. And he doesn't want Kylian Mbappe to sulk on the bench Mm -hmm. because of a completely legitimate decision that he made to give him the last 25 minutes of the game off when he'd already scored and he'd already, you know, done what he needed to do in that game. There was no reason for him to stay in the game. He's not Neymar where Neymar can play the 90 minutes in a game like that because Neymar's kind of earned that. Like, it's a different kind of thing. And Neymar in that situation, I think it's as much as we want to protect him from getting hurt, he's still, he is still the number one player on PSG. And I think that, yes, I'm sure in Kylian Mbappe's mind, he thinks he's farther along than he is. And you know what? That's okay for someone his age with his talent. I understand that. I understand his desire to want to play every minute of every game because that's what all of the top players in the world do. I I have no issue with his thought process. And I don't think he's right in the big picture because I think PSG have to be careful about wearing him out in having him play too many games in a way that they don't really need to have that issue with Neymar, in my mind. I think Neymar can play more and is just more... Is, I think Kylian Mbappe, at his age, has to sometimes be held back a bit because he's still growing into his body and he's still growing into his role. 
So there are a lot of different factors here. And yes, in that situation, Tuchel and, and Mbappe were at cross purposes. One wanted one thing, one wanted the other. And I agree with you mm-hmm. that Kylian Mbappe should not have handled it that way. He should not have been petulant about it because if he thought about it in a non-competitive situation, I'm sure he would have said, yeah, if he's thinking about it rationally, of course that's why he took me off. And that's what Tuchel was trying to explain to him. And he was trying to be a coach rather than a dictator, rather than just yelling at him. He wasn't yelling at him. He wouldn't seem like he was raising his voice. It didn't seem like he was showing him up or embarrassing him. What seemed to happen there was that Tuchel took him off. He noticed that Killian was not happy about it. And Tuchel, like a coach would, let him know why he shouldn't be worried about it or upset about it. And it didn't look like Mbappe took it all that well. Not at all. But he didn't he didn't shove him. He didn't curse. Didn't look like he cursed at him. It didn't look like there was any, you know, actual physical tension. It just seemed like a situation where the younger kid didn't want to have to have a conversation about it. And he wanted to just go sit down because he was upset about it. Tuchel was, this happens all the, literally all the time in life where, you know, you'll be teaching in my other job. This Mm -hmm. kind of stuff happens all the time. (laughs) Kids don't want to hear from their parents or from their teacher or from somebody in, you know, that's older than them. They don't want to lecture sometimes. Sometimes they just want to be pissed off and then go, you know, in the corner and sulk. That's what happens sometimes. Like, it, it, more than you think. But you would hope that after they've had a chance to calm down and think about it, that they either go to the manager and say, hey, look, I'm sorry I behaved this way. He's not going to do that in the middle of the game. He's not going to get off the bench and walk to the manager and apologize, and they're not going to hug. Like I hope tomorrow, that, though, that... That it's something comes out that the two have talked it out and it's squashed. Like I hope something like that comes out. But it won't. Yeah. Because that's not that doesn't sell. What what matters is what happens on the field to me. What happens in between the lines. And I I don't care what media is gonna say about it, because it's not their job to diffuse the situation. Let's put it like that. You know, if, if this is not to bring politics into it too much, but this mm-hmm. seems like a Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren argument more <laughs> than an actual real argument. Did you just call me could, a liar on live television? No, I would never <laughs> save that for somewhere else. But no, but that's that's what this seems like to me. More of that kind of argument than, oh, my God, these two can't stand each other. Because it's not like Kylian Mbappe has been sulking. And let's be clear, during that match, he was struggling a little bit to get his goal. And he he wanted to score. He wanted to do well. And he wants to be the best player he can be. That's laudable. That's commendable. But all this other stuff, to me, is more manufactured than two adults, one with a little more life experience than the other, having a discussion and a disagreement about something that they disagreed about it's like i like a little bit of that tension i think it's a in a way there's a healthiness to it where not everyone is like content i don't want to see content 
I don't want to see a team that's happy with itself. I want to see a team and players that are trying to improve every day and trying to get better and get frustrated and get upset and try to get each other to that next level. That's what I want to see from my from my team that's trying to win this thing that they've never won before and have a history of choking in these big matches. I don't want to see a team that's, oh, we're all happy with each other. We all like each other. And this is great. And, oh, we're great. And, you know, that's not the kind of tension that you need. You need a little bit of that tension Mm -hmm. to really be successful. You can't just have everyone love each other. So for, you know, for this kind of thing to happen, is it ideal? No. Would you rather they discuss it behind closed doors? Yeah. Probably, but this is not the sort of end of world thing that's going to tear a team apart. I don't think. And let me make this point too. If it is one of those things, if Kylian Mbappe is so consumed with himself that he plans on taking the whole team down with him because of this kind of petty bullshit, (laughs) then do you really want a guy like that around in the first place, because if that's the kind of guy he is, then sooner or later he'll start self-destructing, mm-hmm. like a lot of people like that do. You know, you can be. I'll I'll add some more sports analogies. You can be Kobe Bryant, or you can be Antonio Brown. And if you're Antonio Brown, I don't care how many balls you can catch. If you're that big of a head case, I don't want you on my roster. So I don't think Kylian Mbappe is that guy. I don't think he is Antonio Brown. I think he's Kobe Bryant. So I look at these uh, incidents from a different lens because of that. Now, if more evidence starts to appear that this is who this guy is, then, of course, you have to recalibrate and recalculate your your math and Mm -hmm. and kind of figure it out. But I just genuinely don't think he's that person i think he's level-headed i think he's smart but i also think he's really competitive and he's really young and he wants to be the best player on the field at all times and that means he doesn't want to come out of a game where he feels like he can get better and, and help the team so is this a big deal i don't think it is is it something you'd rather avoid having on camera because it causes all sorts of stupid headaches that you don't need? Yeah, probably. But in my mind, you can't always do things based off of what you think the perception will be. You just sort of have to do things that you feel are right in the moment. And I think that's what Tomas Tuchel did here. Mm -hmm. He did something that he felt was right in the moment and you know what? I like that. Damn the consequences. I don't care at this point. It's his his job's on the line. He's not here to make friends. He's not here to be everyone's favorite pal. He's here to win. And he's here to keep his job. And he's here to show that he's a great manager. So it's what he did. I can't fault him for it. And as long as they're not punching each other on the sidelines, then, you know, you can't. You can't say that this is the worst thing, right? So I'll let you let you kind of f- finish on it, but I I think this is something that if he comes back on Tuesday, scores a couple goals, goes away, and that's what I hope it is. I don't think there's any apologies that need to happen. I don't think there's any sort of punishment that needs to happen. 
because Killian didn't do anything really wrong. He had a disagreement. I think you're allowed to have disagreements. I hope we're allowed to have disagreements at this point. So I, I didn't see he him doing anything worthy of suspension and or sitting a half. And that's something that Tuchel said in his after after the match of course he was asked about the situation he said you know this isn't we're not the only club that has this issue i think even dortmund today uh tuchel mentioned like marco royce i think was frustrated about being taken off and he's seen it at liverpool and manchester city when their top players are taken off so none of the big players like being taken off it happens happens. all the time it happens all the time it does but i think in this situation you can't just look at it in a vacuum you have to look at it in a broader context you know him and Tuchel have not always had like a warm and fuzzy relationship and from reports that I've seen Kylian Mbappe does have an extremely lucrative contract extension in front of him or at least his representatives do and all he needs to do is sign it and he hasn't done that yet and when you see things like this happen and then you have the rumors about Real Madrid and make no mistake about it, he understands all of this and he just needs to understand when you behave like that to your manager, it immediately sparks those Mbappe to Real Madrid or Mbappe to Liverpool or whatever. It sparks those rumors. And when you are two weeks away from the biggest game of the season against Borussia Dortmund, you, you you can't have this. He just needs to be smarter than that. If you have a problem with the manager, take it to the dressing room afterwards and light him up or whatever it is you need well, to do. No, say, but, but, but we're forgetting here. He did not engage Tuchel. Tuchel engaged Mbappe. So to say that Killian, you know, sought this out is not factually correct. Tuchel stopped him. Tuchel could have let it go. I think Tuchel made the right decision to try to be the coach that he wants to be in that situation. But there was a choice made by Thomas Tuchel, not by Kylian Mbappe. So to say that Kylian Mbappe should know better or should make a better decision, I'm not sure what he should have done in that situation. He, he needs to be more receptive to coaching. You're right. Tuchel did. I was just watching the video. I don't know if that came through the headphones or not, but you're right. Tuchel did kind of step in front of him, put his hands on him, and try to talk to him. And Mbappe needs to be more receptive to coaching. He's going to get the reputation that, oh, this guy doesn't like to be coached. He needs to understand his game is predicated on his physical ability, whereas Neymar is more skill. He, he, and Neymar doesn't have the physically imposing speed or the stature or anything like that, so he can play. And Mbappe is all about speed. And, and beating his, his opponent with his ability um, to just run past them. And it's 5-0 against Montpellier. Like, you got your goal. You're not going to win the Ballon d'Or by scoring a hat trick at this point. Like, literally no one cares how many goals you score in this. I know you're super competitive, but, like, tone it down a little bit. I mean, I just thought well, it was completely unnecessary. Yeah, but that, and that's your and that's, and that's a, a perspective that you have, and it's a perspective mm-hmm. that a lot of people have. And, and this isn't an insult. But a lot of people that have that perspective have never played competitive sports. This is true. I've never played competitive. Or well, no, I played... I did play that one time. I did make varsity basketball in high school, so a lot. Yeah. <laughs> also, yeah, you know, but none of like, or you're like Craig Burley or Stevie Nichol, where yeah, you were at a highly competitive level, but it was back in like 1985 when right. you would like go to the hot locker room and have a smoke this in is, between yeah. the in between the halves, like. It's just a different world. It's a different sport. It's, it's this. It's 
for me, I just can't, I cannot bring myself to be incredulous about this. Mm-hmm. Like, I think there's, this is not PSG's biggest problem. Because let's, I'll spin it out even more. Let's say he doesn't want to sign the contract at the end of the year. Real Madrid come to him and say, hey, we want you to go for this amount of money. PSG have already shown that they'll turn down a lot of money. Oh, there, there's already been a report that they'll just make him see out his contract and let him leave for free. No, but they don't even have to do that. They can let him go because they're not just going to be one team in on him. There are going to be multiple teams that try to sign him. It's not going to be just Real Madrid and nobody. Like, it, it, it's not that. That's not how this is going to be. PSG can have him for a fourth year and then let him go in the in year five for, you know, to got, Liverpool. Sorry, mm-hmm. I threw up in my mouth a bit. Um, <laughs> no, but like Real Madrid or Barcelona might come for him or. Um, you know, there'll be teams that try to sign them. Manchester United might try at some point. Mm-hmm. They they have enough money that they don't spend to, to do it. Yeah. So it, I don't think that PSG are in a situation where they have to like uh, they got enough money. They don't they don't need to sell him to make to break even or to, to be competitive. They got a good team. They're gonna have a good team next year. It, it's not in my mind worth this whole rigmarole about how it looks to the cameras because this is a PSG decision in the end. They proved it last year. It was Neymar had all lined it all up. He had everything he wanted ready to go. And PSG just said, no, if you don't have the money we want, then screw you. Same with Cavani. Like, it, it, same. Yeah. It's not, this is not about, um, to me, if this is not an issue of oh, like I don't want to be on eggshells as a fan. I don't want to have to like look at every game and look at body language and be like a CSI expert trying to f- figure out the clues. Mm-hmm. Like just play some goddamn football <laughs> and do it to the best of your ability and see if we can win this thing or get close to winning this thing. That's what I want. All this other stuff is just unnecessary. And I go back to my initial point: this is not a team in crisis. This team is actually playing really well. They haven't and allowed like, a goal since. I'm just going back here. They haven't allowed a goal since January 15th against Monaco. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. That's a point. That's a real point to make. Like they are, they are passing all these tests right now. And we'll. I guess we'll start talking about the the game against Montpellier today, but. They look like a team that has the right balance here, and they have enough bodies, and it's clear that they have enough bodies. And the issue will not be a lack of depth, I think, for this team. Absolutely. Well, let, let's transition over to this. Let me get your general thoughts on the 5-0 win over Montpellier. You had goals from Sarabia, Di Maria, Mbappe, and uh, Kurzawa there in the 65th minute. Um Anything about the lineup that stood out to you? Tuchel had to go with a kind of a makeshift back line with Juan Bernat out, with Marquinhos out. Um, Colin Dagba is now out. So, um, yeah, I mean, he had Di Maria, Sarabia started. Sarabia was outstanding, I thought, on the night. He's really been kind of an unsung hero this season uh, with so many injuries. He's just been kind of the, the player who's just been steady and able to score and contribute. Um, he hasn't always been spectacular, but I, I really feel like he's been one of those signings that have really panned out well um, for PSG this season. But, um, 
you know, got a little bit, you know, rubbed it in Andy Delort um, at Montpellier. He's kind of had a lot to talk about. He said Paredes is like a big trash talker, which made me love Paredes even more now. Um, so just any overall thoughts on the win today? Anything you like or didn't like? Uh, again, good win. Um, Montpellier were very much out to win the fight rather than actually win the, the match. Um, I, I looked, there was, the, the, the refereeing in that first half was just, like, really, really dreadful. I mean... I mean Neymar got the, a the yellow. The yellow card they <laughs> gave Neymar for essentially... No, no, they, 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 they're going to have, they're going to cover their ass by saying they gave it to him for... Descent or something, yeah. The ref. But the idea that a referee would go to a player and tell him, hey, can you stop with the, the, with the, with the showboating against the other team? Like, when has that ever happened in any other sport? Like, you'll see the refs in football, in, like, college football, if the, the players are celebrating too much, they'll, like, tell them to move along or something. But you're a Ravens fan. Could you imagine, like... Walt Coleman going up to Lamar Jackson and going, hey, you know that spin move and juke you just did to that poor guy? Can you not do that anymore? Because that's unfair to that guy right there that's on the ground holding his ankle because you just broke it. Yeah, don't do that anymore. Or they or the or like um what's the guy the 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 a, a ref in the NBA. But like if a ref in the NBA goes to LeBron James and goes, Hey LeBron, you dunked you know it too hard. <laughs> You dunked it too hard on that guy. You gotta, you gotta lay off that guy. It's fucking ridiculous. And then for the fourth referee in the tunnel to tell him to speak speak French, like how dare you speak to me unless you're speaking to me in French? Like, yeah, that was a little xenophobic. There has to be disciplinary. There won't be, but there should be disciplinary actions taken against that fourth ref and against the ref on the field because that's unacceptable. That is absolutely unacceptable to do that it's beyond your scope it's not in your business to do that and then three minutes later i think suke grabs neymar by the by the crest basically takes a big chunk of it spins him down and almost hurts him like and nothing is called there's nothing called on this play he literally football tackles him and nothing is called. And I've said this before, and I will say it again, because this game was sort of nondescript. And I, I mean, we won the game. We should win that game. Montpellier are not in PSG's league, especially when they're down to 10 men. Yeah. So, you know, the performances were great. We may get into a little bit of that. But I think this overrides it because it's like in no other professional sports league in the world, I think, if you have another league where this happens, please tell me. But not in the American sports and not in the other four leagues in Europe where the other team where the team that is better than the other team is put at a competitive disadvantage to even the game, which is what happens. And I don't think I'm talking a conspiracy theory here. Neymar was fouled nine times. Yeah, there were 15 fouls those... on PSG, and, and Neymar had nine of them. And he's actually, I wrote a piece, he's the most fouled player in Ligue 1. Yes. 
And I have never really, I, I can't, I, maybe I can count on one hand the amount of times players were given yellow cards for fouling Neymar. I, please somebody go and check that. It can't be more than three. And it's because, and I, I wrote this on, I wrote this on Twitter and I'm going to piss people off, but I'll say it. The French really love mediocrity. They reward it. It's what is rewarded in France. It's not excellence. It's mediocrity. And everything that's good is essentially mocked to the point where people think it's mediocre. I mean, just look at their film industry the last 60 years. They basically built an entire film industry. Let me put it this way. I'll say this. They built in the 50s and the 40s and 50s. I'll even go back. 30s and 40s. France had some of the best movies ever made. Literally had some of the best films ever made. And I know this isn't football, and I know this is completely out of no, left I'm, field. I'm really, this is actually fascinating. Okay. They had some great movies in the 30s and 40s. They had movies like Rules of the Game by Jean Renoir. They had uh, Children of Paradise by um, Marcel. Um, now I'm, I got, I'm killing me if I don't remember this name. Um, all right, I have it here. Um, Marcel Carnet. Great, just fantastic films. And French, the French literally created this whole genre of film critique to say that all of these movies sucked and were anticlimactic and were sappy and were terrible. Literally ran these great movie directors out of French film and basically created their own new wave of French cinema. Which was fine. Some of those movies were actually pretty good. Um, yeah, I gotta go to the wall here. Um, Breathless was really good. Um, other, uh, Vivre Savage, great um, new wave French films, but a lot of them were not good. My point being, now that I've gone on that rant and, and yeah. have, have their audience, <laughs> the point is that for years and years, f- French, the French tend to not accept greatness at face value. There always has to be a cynicism to it. There always has to be a twist that brings that person down to earth. There's a bit of, I guess the British would use the term taking the piss. And they do that a lot. And Neymar is, I think, a really great example of that. Here's this guy who is doing these really cool, awesome things that should have people excited about French football, but it seems like they want to get that stuff out of French football. That there's a certain uh, subculture of it that, you know, guys like Andy Delore and, you know, those kinds of mo- those those types of people who believe that the French game is better when the team that wins the league only gets like 76 points and nobody scores and it's just a bunch of guys hitting each other in the midfield. There's part of our fandom that likes that as opposed to what Neymar does. And I think some of the referees are involved in that as well. So you see this race to mediocrity where these teams are allowed to essentially take out butcher's knives and chop people's legs off 
and nothing gets done about it because they feel that PSG is too good and that the other teams need to be competitively matched with them for some reason, although there's no proof that competitive games make any difference to ratings or attendance or anything like that. In fact, football is the sport where you actually want a little bit of imparity. You don't want everybody to be the same. You want a super team or two in your league. The, the equivalent so would be attend- the equivalent would be like in baseball if an umpire was like, you know, this team has a really good pitcher, so I'm going to make the strike zone really, really small to make it just maybe even it up a little bit. You know, like they're they're applying this mentality that shouldn't. The officials should call it black and white. Is that a foul? Is that worth a yellow card? Not then say, well, that player is really good. He's kind of embarrassing them. So let me, you know, no, you can't editorialize it. Like, just call it the way you see it. No yeah. one needs your opinion. And, no, it, it, that that's correct. And there's a resentment to PSG for obvious reasons. But it, it, I just get tired of it because it's like, do you want a good league or not? Do you want good players to come to your league or not? Mm. Do you want to raise the revenue of your league or not? Or do you want to be mediocre and be happy with that? Because, again, there are people that are happy with mediocrity. It's not all of the French. I shouldn't generalize. But there's a good portion, a dec- enough of a portion to make a dent of French people who, in the French culture that embraces and as beautifully artistic and and as wonderful as French culture is, and it is one of the great cultures of our, of our history... I'd say it's probably top 10 all-time cultures and societies. We're going to do that podcast in the summer when things are a little bit slower. Yeah. We'll get yes, we will. But they, they, it's their Achilles heel. It's it's that we that not you can't be too good or we're going to bring you down a bit. We're going to we're, a lot of a lot of that and there's a there's a there is something to speaking truth to power and, and not having people be like so above everyone else. I get that. Yeah. But it gets to a level where it's like it's not necessary in this case. It's soccer. Who cares? As bad as that was, the worst is when he the official told Neymar to, uh, you know, speak French. I, I just think as a in Paris, especially being so multicultural to tell someone to speak French um, it, to me is a little racist um xenophobic no it's not a little racist it's a lot racist yeah it's a lot racist and if that official does not see any kind of sanctions after that i mean what are we even doing here i mean that that you can't have you can't tell a player that and and it's on camera and you can't deny it here's the here's the asshole-ish thing about it neymar knows three languages he could be he could speak portuguese he could speak english and Mm -hmm. he could speak spanish and he's trying to learn a little bit of French. Yeah, there was a so video. I, saw, yeah. more, I know he speaks more languages than that than that clown. And, so and what, just for the, just for him to say that just tells you everything you need to know when they're on the pitch and he doesn't call he doesn't give someone a yellow card for tackling him. It, it's obvious why he tells Neymar, "Why don't you speak French?" He he's showing you what he thinks of Neymar. Oh, he has a bias towards him to begin it's with. It's super racist. Yeah. It is super racist if you really think about and it. And that's why Neymar threw a water bottle at the wall because he's like, "I can't keep talking because I'm going to get a red card thrown out of the game." And it's just he's so frustrated, so he throws a water bottle at the wall. I don't blame yeah. him. 
No, so, it's 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 nobody should be treated like that. No, and and also in that game we had Neymar. He was brought down and he was in some severe pain. It looked like he fell right on his tailbone, um, but he was able to finish out the game. So that well, that was good. We didn't have a major injury there, but we want to run through these other topics here real quick. We do have some injury concerns. We have Marquinhos and Bernat who have been out for a little while, and uh, Colin Dagba was uh, a victim of that crappy pitch against uh, Po FC in the Coupe de France. So. Um, Marquinhos is the injury there that you're most worried about, right? He may be back in time for the Dortmund match, but it's going to be tight. Well, initial word is good. Um, it was three weeks. You theoretically, yeah. So it was. When did he get hurt? I think he, he'll be he'll be back in time to play against Amiens on Saturday before the Tuesday match against Dortmund. So he'll have one opportunity to play before, I, yeah. You know, theoretically, you'd rather have him have uh, you'd rather him have like two games to get back because mm-hmm. one's kind of pushing it. But Marquinhos is usually generally fit. Like it's and it's not like a like a six week injury. It's like a two and a half three week. Right. So he may not need as much like getting back into it time because he's already going to start running. I think soon. So it's not major. Uh, Dagba was always going to be a bench option. I don't think he was going to uh, ever start over Munier in that game. Bernard's and Bernard's, the one. An interesting, Bernard's an interesting one. Yeah, that's what I'm worried because about. Because really, it's, it's kind of been sneaky. But Kurzawa's been good the last two weeks. Maybe because he was trying to get his move or whatever. But... He looked like he's looking like a better version of himself. Like he he's playing actual defense. Mm-hmm. He's I and I actually think one of the major things that's helping him is that Tuchel has really tried to press more with this team the last two weeks or so or two months or so, and I think he's really doing well as a pressing the ball uh, left back. Like, he does really well when he's high up the field. He's pressing. He's moving inside. He's he's more, a little more in a freer role up front rather than, like, being stuck to the, to the, uh, to the touchline. And you're seeing little things with him where you're like, oh, that could be useful. <laughs> and if we, you know, at some point we'll – Maybe not this show, but other show. We'll talk about the potential starting eleven for that first game against Dortmund. Yeah, and I think that depending on what Tuchel wants, depending on how much he plans on pressing, I think, and I can't believe I'm saying this, that if Kurzawa can continue to show this that he's going to make this decision a little bit difficult in that Bernard is not a great presser. He's not a great defender in that sense. Like, he can do all right positionally, but Kurzawa right now is showing the physical tools that got people excited about him, and people Mm -hmm. that didn't give up on him, I think, would always say, this dude's got different kind of physical tools that makes him a little bit more of an all-around fullback. So we'll see. But I think that's an interesting one. 
Because if Bernat's not 100%, I'm not necessarily torn up about playing Kurzawa, as I would be. I'd still be worried as hell. You also have Diallo, it, who could play there. If you're looking for someone a little bit more defensive and not as no, much. No, but it's not, even, it's not even that. Yeah. It's not the defensive inside-your-own-end part, I think, that the issue the, the, is even still Kurzawa's strength. His strength has been... When PSG are pressing and trying to, you know, turn the other team over in their own end, Kurzawa has done a really good job of stepping up and winning the ball back. And if Tuchel's going to build this sort of four-four-two, or sorry, four-four, yeah, four-four-two, yeah, four-four-two, on the idea that they're going to have to press high up the field to cover their defense or to cover their lack of defenders on the field, then Kurzawa might be a legitimate option for that task. So we'll see. But I think there's some good signs. Kawasi looked good. Like, I don't know if he's thinking of signing or if they have an idea that he might. I think there's a chance he... I think there's a better chance that he'll sign now than two weeks ago. He's but, been getting, getting some game time. Yeah, and he's looked good. He's been right. Like, yeah. And I and again, I don't honestly care if they sign him or not. If he's the best guy to play in those situations, he should play. Absolutely. Yeah, I wouldn't want to lose him. Hopefully, we can sign him to a professional contract, and then you know, maybe in a couple of years, if yeah, he wants to go, we can get something for him. He's, he's giving them real quality. Minutes, Absolutely. Right? Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll talk about Dortmund and lineup as we get a yeah, little bit and, closer. Uh, but and speak- I'll just throw this in too. Yeah, Adrisa go ahead. Gay looks like he's Adrisa Gay looks like he's getting back to yeah. Adrisa Gay. He had a couple really good tackles there. Um, yeah, he, he's definitely rounding into form. Tuchel has plenty of options, which we can't say that we had last year. Uh, but speaking of Dortmund, they uh, ended up winning today, five nil against Union Berlin, who is bottom or close to the bottom of the Bundesliga. We don't need to spend a ton of time on this, but Halan scored two goals. He's he's scoring at will against these lower-tier Bundesliga teams. How worried are you right now to face this team? Because, I mean, they're, they're playing really well. They're scoring goals at an alarming well, so, rate. so are we. Exactly. We're so I, really. th- that's why it makes you wonder in that tie, do you want to go offense against offense, or do you want to kind of – you know, sit back a little bit and absorb that pressure. Cause I think PSG is the better defensive team, obviously. And then hit them on a counter. It's well, going to be no, interesting. Dortmund, Dortmund. I, a lot of this is in game too. Like you don't know what the other team's going to do quite until you see them do it. So there isn't like a, okay, this is definitely what they're going to do. They have to be flexible. But the thing that I've noticed is again, Dortmund can score. We've not learned anything new. Dortmund can score goals. Against really bad German teams. Yeah, but we can score goals against really bad French teams. And we can score goals against pretty good La Liga teams, apparently, too. (laughs) So, like, uh, I'm of the opinion that, look, PSG just have to play their game. They're still the better team. You wouldn't trade... I don't think there's anyone you. There, I still think PSG probably have eight of the best eleven players on the field mm-hmm. on the field at any given time. So like you have to you have to you can't just say oh you know this one guy worries me. I don't, not necessarily. 
I think they'll score a couple goals in this tie, maybe two or three, but PSG should be able to score five or six. Yeah, people were upset when they signed Emery Chan because I, I guess PSG was rumored to get him, but it's like Emery Chan would have been like a role player for us. It's not like he would have started Emery in the Chan midfield. Emery Chan wasn't starting for PSG. Yeah, he would never no, have he started. No. No, they got – PSG do not have a midfield problem right now. No. Paredes is actually doing a good enough job where it's like they got they got guys. It's not really – there's not really an issue here. Yeah, so I'm not. I'm like you. I'm not too worried. They haven't really. Dortmund hasn't shown me they can do it against the top tier team. We saw them play Leipzig. Well, let me tell you. Do they? I, I haven't even watched. Uh, let, yeah. What does their schedule look like going into that game? If you yeah. Can pull it up. Yeah, they've got. I think they've got one less game than we do. Um, I say we like I'm on the team, but they they play one less game. So they up next they play Werder Bremen. Then Bayer Leverkusen, that could be a decent game. That's a tough test. And then Eintracht Frankfurt play the the mighty Kevin Traps. And then yeah, then they play PSG. So they have one, two, three more games to play uh, before they play us. And I guess we have four more games before we play them. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah, they'll have a couple decent games in there, and so will we. We and, play Lyon on Sunday, so that's 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 in theory, should be competitive. So they play one less game, and they get an extra day of rest because they play on the 14th against Frankfurt, and yeah. we have to play on the 15th against Amiens if on the PSG road. If PSG play anyone in that game, I'd be shocked. And and it'll be the second road test. So we, we play – PSG plays Dijon in the uh, Coupe de France quarterfinal, then at, at Amiens on the 15th, and then <laughs> Dortmund. So that's three – Road but uh, do do they they don't play anyone against Damien? I doubt. Like that, Cavani will start that game. Maybe Marquinhos if he's back just to get him some game time to get him back up to speed. Maybe. He might maybe, be but this is not this is not the deciding game either. So like, if they can even get away without playing Marquinhos, they might try. If it's that like cut, you know, because yeah. they do get that. There's still a second leg here. It's not do or die. So I wouldn't be totally shocked if he if he maybe comes off the bench against Dortmund. Hmm. If they give him minutes against Damien and then he comes off the bench at halftime against Dortmund, that's a possibility. Interesting. Well, we're going to transition to something a little bit fun off the pitch. So we've got Neymar. He's celebrating his 28th birthday. Uh, his birthday is actually on the 5th, but he's celebrating oh, it on Sunday. This is another controversy, right? <laughs> yes. And so... Uh, Put your thinking cap on. He's having – his party on Sunday is an all-white party, so people are going to show up in all-white. Kind of like, I guess, Puff Daddy used to do back in the day. I remember him having white parties. So, real quick, my question to you is, what would you get Neymar for his 28th birthday? You're invited to the white party. What are you bringing to give the guy that has everything? Um, boy, I don't know. That's 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 a tough one. I, I mean, he should be getting me stuff to be completely <laughs> honest. But um, I was going to get him some kind of like extra padding that he could wear, maybe like no, some, some was, Nike I, boots. I, I, I'd give him the ankle brace that he should there you probably go. Be wearing. But you know, but this is apparently supposed to be a toned down party. Yeah, close friends and family, a couple teammates. Tuchel did not say whether or not he would be there or not. I don't get the impression that Tuchel and Leonardo love the fact that he has like a birthday party in the middle of the season. Who can, look? Look, it, this is that. This is that thing of we need to have stuff to talk about. I understand it. We have to have it's twenty four seven news. We oh, gotta yes. have stuff to talk about. But this is not an issue. 
Like people have birthday parties. And this, this is, is a, like, there's no press. There's no like red carpet. People have birth. Now, should a 28 year old be having like these huge, massive birthday parties? Like he's, you know, turning sweet 16. <laughs> Probably not. But Neymar's quirky like that. That was and, a great MTV show. My super sweet 16 back in the day. I don't know if you no, ever but watched that. that. Was, yeah, I, I do remember that. It was like CeeLo's yeah. daughter and stuff. Yeah. But it, I, I mean, at this point, it's like, if you, it's, Again, there's what they're the day before they play not uh, two days before they play nonce. I'm not yeah. I'm not worried here. This is if they if he's gonna have it, have it now. Whatever. Yeah. You know it'll come and go. There'll be pictures of it. Who cares? Well, Neymar, it's, just, it's so it's so a non-issue that it's such the last thing that should be on PSG people's minds. Honestly, like. And even even like Tuchel, a Tuchel, and you know what? Because Tuchel has to say that. Tuchel has to say, I don't necessarily like that he's having a birthday party because he can't tacitly endorse it. Yeah. Like, oh, he's having this party. How awesome it is! I wish I was invited. Like, he's not going to say that. But he's he basically, if you read between the lines, what he's saying, he's like, look, I know I'm supposed to care about this because it's like everyone everyone assumes I have to care. But I really don't. So I'll just say this and it'll make everyone feel better. But, you know, nobody really actually cares in that locker room that he's having a party. Nobody at the... Um, Sorry. No, no, I'm just saying, no one gives a fuck about any of that. But they have to pretend... Tuchel has to pretend to care for the the media. I get it. I understand why he's doing it. Of course, yeah. And the only thing I'll say that I take a little bit issue, uh, there was a report, I forget which one of the French papers it was, but it was a guy talking about how the lack of sleep is can impact players. And when they don't get enough sleep, it can lead to muscle injuries and, and things like that. And for a team that just came off of playing five consecutive road matches and they've got a, a few more trips coming up, you know, Neymar needs his sleep. And so... I don't know. Maybe having a birthday party. I just hope maybe it'll be over and he can get some a little bit of sleep. <laughs> the rest Do you of think it. he plays against Nantes? I'm not sure he plays against Nantes. That's a good point. I don't know. Yeah. You have to. I mean, you there, can always... There are going to be... There are enough games ahead. I don't think they have to... That They can go on, off, on, off a little yeah. bit for him. Because the next you game is against four, Leon. You got four games left if he plays... Three of the next, there's, he's going to have to take one of these games off, if not two of them. He's not going to, if he plays against Damien, I think there should be a full-scale riot. Yeah, um, I, I, I think Leon and, and Dijon are probably the two, because, you know, Dijon is a chance to advance to the semifinals, and Leon's always a big game at home, so I think those are two games you want Neymar for. Yeah, no, I agree. I think you should play two of the next four, and I think that would be perfectly reasonable. Absolutely. All right, last uh, quick question here. Just to wrap up the transfer window with Kurzawa and Cavani. Kurzawa was... I, I told to... you nothing would happen. Absolutely nothing right, happened. Right Sasako was the only one, went to like standard Liège, uh, but Kurzawa was going to go to Arsenal, then he was going to go to Juventus, and apparently that whole Juventus deal was done, and Juventus backed out at the last minute and said, nope, and the whole thing blew up. Cavani, you know... Tons of articles, blah, 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 whatever. Essentially what it came down to is Atletico didn't want to pay more than 15. PSG wasn't going to accept anything lower than 20. They were $5 million apart, and then Atletico went out and lost 1-0 today. It's the second consecutive well, match where they've scored no goals. And so well, was that I, $5 million well, that well, important? What I, heard, what I heard 
was that the PSG and Athleti had come to a deal, but that the Cavani people asked for more money. Did you hear the quote from the um, Athletic presidents? I did, but then um, Cavani's manager, who's also his brother, said that Cavani didn't play for the entire month. Why would he sabotage the whole deal? Why would he have his brother and client sit out for an entire month not playing and then just sabotage the whole thing because he wanted a few extra dollars or whatever? So I, I kind of believe that. Like, I, I really well, do well, think... No, but he, he, I, I, I don't believe that necessarily because he, I, I don't think that Cavani's representatives do always have Cavani's mm. best interest at heart, honestly. And that's why you never have your agent be your family. Have we not gone through this before? You never have your your the people that are in charge of getting you paid be like your family because they have to get paid too. It worked out so well for Lonzo Ball and the Ball family, though, right? No, yeah, it's, just, it, it's 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 always a bad idea. Never do it. Always get outside counsel. Never. Your 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 family should never either be a your lawyer or be your agent. Get LeBron James's people. They they know what they're doing. They know how to negotiate a deal. They got Anthony Davis to the Lakers. Uh, whoever LeBron, it was that. What's his people? Maverick Carter. What's his company? No, it's not. Uh, it's what's his name? It's the it's. I know who you're talking. You know about. what I'm talking. That's who that they need to get into the agent and in, in football. That's what I think they need to do because they know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, all right, real quick, we're gonna wrap up this episode. Quick couple questions, rapid fire. At jetting around. Our well, good... well, uh, oh. well, before you get to that, I yeah. will say, it looked like Cavani had a little bit of a step today just because he hasn't played in a while. Mm. Like, he mm. looked a little bit more like an athlete. Yeah. Like, he looked like he, he wasn't completely washed up today. We'll see if that can continue, if he can contribute. Because now, you know, if they're going to keep pity cheering him in the in the ultra stands. They still say you know, his name. Maybe it'll maybe it'll actually lead to goals finally. Still saying his name after he offered to make less money at Atletico, handed in a transfer request, had his parents speak yeah. to the media, all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah, you knew they would too. <laughs> so okay, here we go. Quick uh, Twitter questions at Jetting Around. Our good friend Paula wants to know: Will Cavani start again? I think so. I think he'll start at some point. What yeah, he might start against Dijon or Amiens or. Uh, yeah. Whatever the, the cup match is, I don't think he'll start in Champions League. I don't think that's the idea. He potentially he's an injury or two away from starting the Champions League. So. Oh yeah, absolutely. You're always an injury or two away, yeah. but they're going to start a Cardi. There's just a, there's no possible way that they're they, they have they're invested in a Cardi <laughs> right now. Yeah. They're just it's not going to change unless it's desperate times. You'll you'll like this question. This comes from at Fragile Berg. They want to know. Is dribbling or skill moves no longer allowed in football? Asking for a friend. Uh, referring to Neymar there. Well, we talked about <laughs> that. Um, the, the, you know, the French and mediocrity and all. It's Back it's to those French it, movies. Yes. <laughs> um, our friend at PSG AJ has a good question about the transfer window. He said, Henrique signed one player in the last January tra- transfer window, which was Paredes. Leonardo signed none. Henrique gets the abuse, though. Is this a double standard, or is it just a case of no deal is better than a bad deal? No, well, no, because 
last year PSG were pretty much down to one midfielder. They were playing Danny Alves in the fucking midfield. So like <laughs> that's why they spent forty million on Paredes. They had to make a move. So yeah, in different circumstances, I don't think PSG needed to make a move, and they didn't. Which sometimes it's sometimes the best move is no move. Yeah, and a lot of the top well, teams bring... didn't make any moves too. So it's not like PSG were the only ones. Yeah, you know, if you're making a move in January, it means that you don't have a roster that you think is capable of doing what you needed to do. Right. Liverpool didn't make a move. They they like signed a signed like a uh, they signed a guy for their bench, but like good, good teams that have confidence in where they're going don't need to make moves. Like that's just I, I, that's kind of pretty straightforward. Absolutely. There were a couple other questions uh, that came in. Thank you, everyone who sent those in, but I feel like we've addressed a lot of them. People want to know about Neymar get kicked and what do we think of Holland, and we've kind of already touched on all those topics, so we won't get into those again since we're running a little bit long as it is. Mark, do you have any parting yeah. shots before we go ahead and get out of here? Um, well, just, just, just to name all of the French movies that I like. Um <laughs> So if we're if we're looking to watch good thirties forties French films, you can start with Grand Illusion, um, Children of Paradise, uh, Rules of the Game, obviously one of the best movies ever made, um, and many many more. You know, before the new wave sort of ruined all of that. But um, anywho, you can. Find me at Mark Damon one, and uh, I'll may write an article at some point. Who knows? And Ed, what are you up to right now? What's going on with the site? The site is trucking along. We had our best traffic month ever in January. So thank you to anyone who listened to something, read something, clicked on one of our links by accident from social media. Um, yeah, the site's doing great. Um, Sorry, got a little choked up there just talking about how successful the site is. Uh, if you're interested in writing, you can always reach out to me on Twitter at PSG Talk or send me an email at PSGTalk1970 at gmail.com and uh, we'll get you started. So thank you again to everyone for listening uh, and we'll catch you next time. Au revoir for now. <laughs>